0: Welcome into another episode. Oh, let's start that over. Use your words, Connor. Hi, another episode of Connor and Coverage. My name is Connor Riley. I'm here with Dog Nation to provide the latest Georgia football news, recruiting updates anything you can really think of as far as it pertains to Georgia football and sometimes some other stuff. Got a huge game on our hands this week. Number two, Georgia hosting number eight, Arkansas. Yes. It's a noon kickoff. No, I don't think that really matters. I expect it to be a really charged up atmosphere in Sanford stadium on Saturday. College game day is going to be in town. Kirk curb street's going to be there. Uh, Chris Fowler is calling the game. I think this is going to be a very unique atmosphere and environment for Georgia. Where traditionally, these type of games are played late at night, or at least relatively later in the day. At Three thirty CBS kickoff. This game is befitting of, in my opinion. And the fact that we're going to get to see it at noon, I think it's going to be a really interesting sort of atmosphere and chance to show what Georgia can do when it's truly motivated to have, you know, to put on a show in a window that is not normally associated with great crowd atmospheres and experience. obviously everyone knows what Sanford stadium can be at at late at night, but uh, it'll be certainly a different experience. I think kind of a first of its kind here in Sanford stadium, where I'm expecting a full impact crowd, 93,000 people before kickoff starts. And, you know, obviously it's a big recruiting weekend. It's a huge game two top 10 teams. So why I think we'll touch on tonight. Why? Yes. Either two top 10 teams. Well, I'm not sure how close this game might end up being in the end. Even though I think Arkansas is going to do some things that will certainly frustrate Georgia, this is going to be a unique atmosphere, and, and I think it's something that a lot of Georgia fans are looking forward to. And while yes, no one ever really wants a noon kickoff, I think people are prepared to make the most out of this situation and really sort of show what Georgia can do as a fan base, as a university in a spot where there are going to be a lot of eyes on on them. Obviously. You know, two top ten programs right now. Arkansas, probably one of the real darlings of the season to start this year. Four and zero against the spread. Upset wins over both Texas and Texas A and M. As of right now, they are sort of the Texas State champions, if you will. And they're taking on a Georgia team that has played as well as anybody in the sport. Sure, the Clemson win looks less impressive now than it did to begin the season, but. Nobody has a bigger point differential than Georgia in college football right now. This defense has given up 16 points through their first four games. The only touchdown they gave up was in the fourth quarter of a 40-6 blowout against South Carolina for South Carolina there to get to 13 points. I, I think this is going to be a really fun Game and test for this Georgia team. I think we're going to see how sort of real this team really is because let's let's just face it here. UAB, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt are not on the same level as as, as even an Arkansas team that Georgia is about to play. And Georgia, I think, as the season progresses, they're going to play better teams, but. Uh, touching on a couple things tonight. Obviously I I think Sam Pittman is a very interesting factor in all this. He is beloved by many, myself included. He's making his return to Athens to Sanford stadium where he served as the offensive line coach from 2016 to 2019. And, Somewhere he said he was content to finish his career at, and the only job he would have left for was the Arkansas head coaching job, and that's exactly what he left for. And he has made that program much better in, in a very short amount of time. You consider the Chad Morris era. I believe he went 4-20 and 20 as a head coach there at Arkansas. Sam Pittman's 4-0 this year. And obviously, you know, the offensive line has had its struggles a little bit this year. We'll go into, you know, Matt Luke, Sam Pittman, sort of a tale of the tape. Why things are the way that they are with the Georgia offensive line right now, and and how this group continues to improve and get better. But yeah, you know, the headline tonight, talking a little bit about Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith, two injured Bulldogs guys who we have not seen yet this season. Players who, when they got injured in August, there were a lot of people wondering, well, what kind of impact does this have on this on this Georgia team, and and what does this mean? You know, going in at the time, a huge game against Clemson. You know, those were guys that were thought to play big roles in that game. Well, we got a chance to talk to Kirby Smarts tonight. Georgia's practiced on Monday. They've practiced on Tuesday. So Kirby has a little bit better of an idea of what to expect from, from Darnell and Tyke. And, you know, we had honestly for a while kind of expected that it was going to be this game where Washington and Smith came back. And... You know, Based off what Kirby said tonight, I'm not sure how confident you should be in that, that you see them out there on Saturday. If, if we do see them, it's certainly going to be in a limited availability. Kirby Smart specifically used the word pitch count when describing it. But here's the update Kirby Smart gave reporters after practice today. And to be quite honest, it did not exactly sound the most optimistic that we see Darnell Washington and Tykey Smith on the field on Saturday.
1: Uh, both up and down. Uh, they both practiced uh, both days. Um I thought Tyke, uh looked uh, better on Monday. He was quick moving around, and uh, we got him on pitch count. You know, they're only be able to take limited reps uh, from a standpoint of uh, their foot gets sore as the volume goes up. Um, Darnell uh, struggled a little bit yesterday, but then he looked good today. I thought he did a good job today. And, um, you know, both of them, are, they've got a ways to go. I don't know if they'll be able to play in the game or not, but they're they're working towards it, I can promise you that. It's not just being cleared, you know, it's everything else involved in it. It's – from being behind, stamina, um, execution, getting them reps, and it's tough, I'll be honest with you. But I'm still very hopeful that they both can help us.
0: Yeah, so these are guys that we thought we would see pretty early on for Georgia and not just see them play but make big impacts. And the reality is the guys that have stepped up behind Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith at both their respective positions have actually been as what we thought Washington were going to be for this team. We'll start – with Brock Bowers, freshman tight end sensation. The guy has been everything. I think some people even thought more, you know, obviously, Darnell Washington, former five-star tight end, really looked like he was getting things going to end last season. Bowers is having a season that I'm not even sure the biggest Darnell Washington fans anticipated him having this year. Through the first four games, he leaves Georgia in every major statistical category, was named the SEC Freshman of the Week, and, and every week he, he adds or shows another element to his game. Obviously, he has the long touchdown run, uh, or excuse me, long touchdown reception against UAB. He goes out this past week, scores two more receiving touchdowns, showing that he can be a red zone threat on on, on two of them, and then adding a, a nice little touchdown run there. He's a versatile weapon and someone who... I mean, national media, the way they talk about him, this guy might be a Mackey Award winner. And for all the years that people have clamored to see a tight end get involved, Bowers is taking the most of those opportunities. And, and opportunity is a very important word there when discussing Brock Bowers. So we ask, I asked Kirby Smart about him on Monday and sort of, you know, obviously Georgia's had great freshmen before. Jake Fromm, George Pickens, DeAndre Swift, Andrew Thomas, all guys that have played early and played key roles on teams. But I don't think any of those guys have played as well as Brock Bowers has to start his college career. And so I sort of asked Kirby, why do you think that is? What is it about Brock that that sort of enabled Brock Brock Bowers to come out and be the real breakout star of this Georgia team? And the answer wasn't exactly praising so much of Bowers, but Bowers making the most of his situation.
1: Well, I think he's been blessed with uh, other tight ends being out. John's been hurt. arnell has been hurt. I think he's been given opportunity uh, because we've had some wideouts down so if you put a lot of those other factors back in maybe he's not as productive maybe we're not as productive um but he certainly works really hard and those other guys you just mentioned did too and a lot of being successful as a freshman is opportunity and uh he's taking advantage of his opportunity just double checking coach wigan pools is back this week uh, yeah.
0: and yeah. going a little yeah. long there but I, you know you hear me there yeah it comes down to opportunity darnell washington has missed the first found Fitzpatrick was lobbled in, in, preseason camp. It does help that Brock Bowers came in and practiced and played with the team this spring and impressed by all accounts during that period. So I, what this means for Bowers coming back, you know, or with Donna Washington coming back, you know, Washington is obviously going to play a big part in Georgia's run game and how they improve there. I think he's a much better and much more capable blocker than Brock Bowers at the, is at this point in time. But with what we've seen from this offense so far, Brock Bowers has clearly carved out a niche in this offense. That when Darnell Washington comes back, whenever he gets to 100, percent which still sounds like it might be a ways away, Brock Bowers is going to have a significant role in this offense. He is too proven to be too valuable and too important to what this Georgia team wants to do. And it'll be interesting to see. We talked, we uh, Brandon Adams and I talked about it this morning on Dog Nation Daily. You know, Barry Odom sort of wants you to play left-handed and take away what you do best. I imagine that that involves taking away Brock Bowers in somehow, some way this coming weekend. And I don't think anybody would have anticipated Brock Bowers being that important to this Georgia offense, so much so that his emergence has really overshadowed the loss of Darnell Washington. There hasn't been this big drop off in the passing game because Bowers has become a dependable weapon for JT Daniels. Now, moving it over to the defensive side of the ball, you know, Tyke Smith comes in as a transfer. All-American last season of West Virginia, has the familiarity of playing for Jamila Dye, the Georgia defensive backs coach at West Virginia. Uh, played a, a position that is a little similar to what Georgia uses in the star, but I think it's important to remember that even at the time of his injury, he had not yet won that starting competition and at the star spot. And that is because Latavius Brini came out, played great in the, in the peach bowl last year against Cincinnati had a strong offseason, And unlike Smith was actually able to go through spring drills for Georgia. And since then he has taken over that starting star spot and has looked every bit as capable as a starter. He is not a weak link. There's not a wink link on that Georgia defense, except for maybe the downfield pass coverage that you saw against South Carolina, but Latavius Brini has come in and played as as well as I think people imagine that Tyke Smith would have played. And so we got to talk to Kirby Smart tonight and he shared some more insight on sort of, you know, the process that led Smith here and, and sort of where things are with Smith and Brini. Is it looks like eventually Georgia's gonna have both of them, but as it stands right now, I even if, if Smith is able to go and play on Saturday Latavius Brini is still going to be your guy at the star position for the Georgia football defense.
1: He brings experience. You know, he played star position at West Virginia, and he played with Coach Adai, he did a great job uh, playing there. So once he went in the portal, we felt like you know that was a perfect addition for us because number one, he had playing experience. He's a good tackler. He was going to make our team better, uh, and he's done that. Um, unfortunately, the injury has put him behind some and. You know, we, we felt good about Briny. You know, we felt like Briny played well in the Cincinnati game. He's been around uh, uh, our defense for a long time. He practices really hard. He's gotten more confidence through the spring and through uh, these games we've played. So, um, they're both really good players and great people. Um, and we're hopeful to get Tyke back uh, soon.
0: Yeah, so I think with, with, with Tyke, he's going to come in and still find a role to play in this Georgia defense when he does get healthy. He might not usurp uh, Latavius Brini as the starting star there, but with some of the depth concerns that you have in the back end of that secondary, you know, obviously all the losses from a season ago, Jalen Kimber going down with a, a season-ending shoulder injury. Tykey Smith is still going to find a way to play his way onto the field, but I'm not certain it's going to be at the expense of Latavius Brini. Brini has been very good these first couple games, had a big pass breakup in the end zone there against Clemson to start the season. So I I think this Georgia secondary, yes, it's not deep, and they still have, I think, a ways to go to get better, and they're going to get a real test this weekend from Arkansas. Traylon Burks is without a doubt the best wide receiver that they will have faced to this point in the year. That includes, I think, guys like uh, Justin Ross from Clemson, Joseph Nada from Clemson, Josh Vann from South Carolina who really torched this uh, Georgia secondary. Traylon Burks is a dude, and Georgia's going to need to make sure that they they, they they keep him locked up. I will note, Keely Ringo looked really impressive against Vanderbilt last week, had, had a couple of nice pass breakups. Yes, he had those pass interference penalties to start the season against Clemson, but he is someone who is really impressed as the season has come along. And I think the more reps that he gets and the more comfortable he gets back there, I, I think the better you feel about this Georgia secondary. So to sort of wrap things up, Tykee Smith and Darnell Washington, they might play a little this weekend. They also might not play at all, and you know that is a little concerning when it is a top-10 matchup. This is a good Arkansas team. We can certainly say that. And so they might not be at, back out there for a fifth straight game, and while some might be concerned there, the guys behind them that stepped in for Darnell Washington, for Tyke Smith, that would be Brock Bowers for freshman and Latavius Brini, a senior. Those guys really, in terms of their career arcs at Georgia, couldn't be more different. But those guys have stepped in and sort of, you know, as much as I might hate the next man up cliche, have absolutely been that. And there's been no drop off with these injuries to guys that I think a lot of people, myself included, thought were going to be very important contributors to this Georgia team in the 2021 season. I think that speaks to the depth and talent level that exists on this Georgia team as it stands right now. So, there's our update on Tyke Smith, Darnell Washington, what it means, and as far as you know, a return if, if we do see them this weekend. It, Kirby had said it was going to be on a pitch count so it's not like we're going to see them at full strength full speed you hope maybe maybe like Kentucky just sort of following along where all right, they, let's say they play this weekend they are able to ramp up more and more in the coming weeks otherwise you know you're maybe thinking maybe the Florida game by that point those two guys will have missed seven games uh, during the season which you know obviously the good news there is that both those guys do have extra eligibility to return next year and will be key pieces next year uh, especially with what Georgia Saints to lose on defense I think Tyke Smith is going to be someone to watch over the second half of the season to see how he emerges because they're going to need him to be a really important player in that defense next season. But, you know, we touched upon the Georgia players in this game. There's also a pretty big presence on the, on the opposing sideline. And that is Sam Pittman. He is making his return to Athens, he was the four-year offensive line coach here at Georgia from 2016 to 2019, and is a guy who's beloved by many, including all of the starters on Georgia's offensive line. Uh, all five of those at one point committed to play for Sam Pittman. Obviously, Cedric Von Prahn had signed to play for Matt Luke, but all those guys were recruited by Sam Pittman, and we've gone back and round and round about the importance of knowing personnel, knowing staff, things like that. But Sam Pittman was a very important figure to this Georgia program and we got a chance to talk to Kirby Smart tonight. as I've referenced four times already. but I thought Kirby had some really insightful stuff to say about Sam Pittman and how he sort of helped him become a better head coach. and, and obviously, you know there are a lot of people that were very skeptical that Sam Pittman would do what he is doing and he's absolutely proved everyone wrong and proven that he is a capable head coach. Because, again, I think it speaks to his infectious personality. Players want to play for him. They want to play well for him. And as Kirby Smart touches on here, that personality is something that helped Smart as he built up this Georgia program into what it is, which uh, Sam Pittman played a role in Georgia having a team as good as this team is because he was – As again, we'll touch on Matt Luke here in a little bit – Sam Pittman was the best offensive line coach in the country when he was at Georgia, as far as I was concerned. So here's what Kirby Smart sort of had to say about Sam Pittman and how he helped Georgia in his time here.
1: Probably uh, morale and positivity. You know, Sam's a really, really uh, optimistic, positive guy, especially with his his players and his relationship with them. Uh, he was always good for me uh, to be around uh, leading up to games, you know, or you're worried about something. Sam always had a, a great spin and a great vibe on it. And uh, he was great for our staff, you know, staff morale. And he's, he's just a, a phenomenal person. And I'd always heard so many good things about him uh, as a coach at Alabama. And, you know, we tried to hire him a couple of times and could never get him. And then when I got the job, he was the number one guy that I targeted and uh, was so thankful that he came with us.
0: Yeah, so you think back to Sam Pittman and the lines that he had built. You think of that 2018, 2019. 19 offensive where you had guys like Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, Solomon Kinley, Trey Hill, Ben Cleveland, and Sam Pittman's last game. I was just starting offensive line. All four, all five of those guys were drafted in the first round. I believe three of them start, or two of them started this past weekend. Another Ben Cleveland played about half the snaps there for the Baltimore Ravens and then Trey Hill dressed and, you know, Isaiah Wilson, obviously we understand what happened with him and his situation once he got to the NFL, but Sam, but Sam Pittman did an incredible job building those guys up, and and one of the key differences in going from Sam Pittman to Matt Luke, and I think it's also fair here to point out that the change in offensive coordinator ha- has precipitated this some as well. Is just the general size of the offensive line, the the, the starting offensive line that day against LSU. The average height and weight was listed at six foot five and three hundred and thirty two pounds starting offensive line that was used this past week against Vanderbilt the average height and weight was six foot four and 314 pounds these guys are just not as big as they used to be under Sam Pittman and I do think there's been a shift to maybe have a more athletic offensive line and, and while yes they're having concerns about the run game and that way it has developed there I do think it's worth pointing out as well through four games Georgia has given up just two sacks and the only power five team that has given up fewer sacks this year is Michigan who went up one and Michigan has had 50 fewer passing attempts than this Georgia team has. So you you take that into consideration. I I do think this is a more athletic offensive line that Georgia has had perhaps in years past, because while Ben Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, Solomon Kinley, those guys are all athletic freaks. They're not necessarily the athletes in space that I think a, 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 Warren Erickson, Cedric Von Prahn, Warren McClendon are. And I certainly think that factors into some of the changes we've seen here on the offensive line. But, you know, Matt Luke has a lot of similarities to Sam Pittman as well. They Matt Luke coached his alma mater there at Ole Miss. He was a, an offensive line coach who got moved up and eventually became the head coach. there. So obviously, things didn't work out well for him there. But he's a guy who loves that Ole Miss program and did great things there for them. you know. Having I think having a really hard job having to clean up after the Hugh Freeze and, and a lot of the success that you're seeing Lane Kiffin have now, I, I think Matt Luke at least deserves some credit for getting that program from where it was at the end of the Freeze era. But you talk to players around him, or players that have played for him, players that have been recruited by him, They don't quite speak in Matt Luke and Sam Pittman in the same vein, but it's awfully close. Players love playing for Matt Luke. I think it's very telling that that 2020 recruiting class where Sam Pittman leaves right after the SEC championship game a week before signing day, Georgia goes out almost immediately, hires Matt Luke. And you look at the guys they bring in. They still land Tate Ratlidge. They still land Roderick Jones, Cedric Von Braun, all guys that have played already for this year. And if Tate Ratlidge hadn't hurt his foot, a guy who I believe would be starting and playing a really big role on this Georgia offensive line, all those guys committed and stayed under Luke. You look at the, the 2021 offensive line hall that Georgia brought in. Amarius Mims, the number eight player in the class. Michael Morris, the number 56 player. Dylan Fairchild, the number 98 player, I believe all top 100 players. And then Jared Wilson as well, a guy who was impressed early on in his time at Georgia. So the recruiting pipeline is still there. And even in this coming class, because they look to try and get a guy like Ernest Green, if they're able to get a commit him, I think that really speaks to Matt Luke's ability. And look, it's a young line and a lot. And again, that 2019 line, all those guys are in the NFL and it takes time for some of these guys to develop. And so I think you're going to see that with Jamari Sawyer this year, who is playing tackle at an incredibly high level. And so you know, you see these guys develop. I think Cedric and Tate, as they get older, are going to be really important pieces on this offensive line. Warren McClendon was a freshman All American last season under Matt Luke's coaching, and I don't think that many people thought that Warren McClendon was capable of that when Sam Pittman went out and signed him. So y- you're seeing the growth. It's just it's worth keeping in mind. This is a really young offensive line that Matt Luke inherited. Yes, you have Justin Schaefer there as a super senior. Yes, you have Jamari Sawyer as a senior there, but a lot of these other guys and a lot of the more promising players on this team, they're all young. They're all in their first or second year and they're, and they're getting coached up. And so obviously Kirby smart doesn't want to compare Matt Luke and Sam Pittman because obviously, you know, Sam Pittman is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And to expect Matt Luke to be that, well, that is some say the standard here at Georgia. It's a little unfair to Luke, just the shoes that he had to step into. And so I thought when Kirby got asked this question, I think he gave a very diplomatic answer on the, the contrast between the two, but Kirby really used it as a chance to compare the two players. Coaches, excuse me. And here it
1: is. Yeah, I don't I don't really get into comparisons. I think both those guys are so good in their individual rights, it's unfair to really try to compare those two guys. They're both number one, incredible people, incredible men, uh strong belief in family. Uh they're everything that epitomize what you want in a assistant coach slash a line coach, because they care about the team uh, more than themselves. And they sell that to their players and they're both great recruiters.
0: Yeah. So obviously the styles right now are different. And I actually think that might go more towards Todd Munkin and what he wants from his offense than say Jim Chaney and James Coley want from their offenses. And while some might not be thrilled with the way the offensive line is playing right now, every single Georgia fan out there would take what Todd Munkin is doing on offense over what Jim Cheney and James Coley were. And even though I think uh, Cheney didn't always get the best rap, uh, I thought maybe he was treated a little unfairly. and uh, the things that he has done and things he's done as a play caller are just really incredible and really a lot of fun to watch. And so I think that does sort of go to where things are with the offensive line. And, and to sort of follow up there on what Kirby Smart had said, I also asked Warren McClendon, you know, obviously recruited by Sam Pittman, now played for Matt Luke for two seasons. What are the similarities, differences between the two? You know, what do you make of the two offensive line coaches you've had to play for? And this is Warren McClendon, a guy who recruited by Sam Pittman and then has really shined under Matt Luke's tutelage. You
1: know, honestly, they're kind of the same. Kind of the same. They teach the same stuff. You know, Coach Pittman being older, he couldn't really get around and then he had a bad knee when he was here. You know, Coach Luke, he's just much younger. He runs around a lot. It's honestly the same.
0: How many right. So to sort of wrap things up there with Luke and Pittman, Matt, Luke is about as good as you could do as an offensive line coach, especially after, you know, Sam Pittman leaves and becomes a head coach somewhere else. And while yes, the offensive line has not yet returned to where Pittman had it in 18 and 19. The offensive line was always going to take a step back after that 2019 season. You don't lose two first round offensive tackles a third starter who is now starting in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins. You don't lose those type of players and immediately get better or at least maintain that level. There's going to be some natural turnover there. But I do think once we get to year four of the Matt Luke era here at at Georgia as the offensive line coach, if he's able to make it here that long and someone doesn't try and hire him elsewhere as a head coach once again – I think you're going to see a pretty talented offensive line when you have guys like Broderick Jones and Amarius Mims and Cedric Van Praan and, and Tate Ratledge, And those guys have all been properly developed and had a chance to play and grow and become the players that Andrew Thomas was, that, that Jamari Sire is now. And so because of that, well, yeah, there's still some pretty obvious growing pains going on under Matt Luke. I do think that Luke has shown enough and Georgia's offense has improved enough to where he should be allowed those growing pains. And I do think this offensive line is going to get better as the season progresses. So that's about the 25 minute mark there. You know what that means? We are going to open it up to questions you guys have. We do this every week. My name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in coverage. So let's go ahead, get those questions in fire them away and see how things are going. Uh, Obviously Georgia plays Arkansas this weekend. We touched a little bit on the top of the show about the noon kickoff and while, Yeah, no one is thrilled about that. I do think it's going to be a special atmosphere on Saturday for Georgia. And then we touched on sort of Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, where they're at in terms of recovering from their injuries and what their possible return might mean for guys like Latavius Brini and Brock Bowers who've gone out and shined without them. So we're going to open up the questions and see what you guys have to come. Yeah. So John William Adams off the top. This is a great, this a great point. Does Sam Pittman come without Jim Cheney? That's a very fair question to ask because those guys were tight. Those guys were the first two hires that Kirby smart made. Once he got here to Georgia, obviously he brought over Glenn Schumann and Mel Tucker there as well, but I'm not certain that Sam Pittman comes to Georgia. If Jim Cheney, a good friend of his is not in tow as well. So that's a good point there. Uh, let's see. Uh, question, uh, Joey Waddle Blaylock status for this week. Still not totally optimistic we're going to see him. You know, He's dealing now with a hamstring injury, and we'll see. We didn't get a chance to ask Kirby about that. We might get an update from him tomorrow on that. I am not totally optimistic we see him this weekend, but maybe next weekend against Auburn could be another good indicator. If he travels, that's a really positive sign. Washington, Smith, and Blaylock all did not uh, travel this past week. Uh, let's see. Green soldier. Similar question. Uh, how's Rosemee? Rosemee's dealing with a sprained ankle. We're going to see what he's at on Saturday. Uh, didn't get asked about tonight at the press conference. Karis Jackson is another guy who Kirby smart says, you know, he was maybe 95% there against Vanderbilt, maybe taking a small step back. Uh, I would still expect him to play. Kirby smart still says he is good to go this coming Saturday. Um, you know, you green soldier brings up the fact that he's returning punts. I think that was maybe just important for him to get his confidence going. And there's n- you're not, you know, Kirby brought this up. You're not making the same cuts as you are as a punt returner that you are necessarily as a wide receiver. Punt returning a lot of it is is, is mostly straight line kind of stuff. Whereas wide receivers, when you're running routes, you're doing sudden quick movement and that might put more pressure on the knee. But I expect to see Kiris Jackson out there. I actually think if Arkansas is gonna try and take away Brock Bowers, Kiris Jackson is a guy who could have, a really big game. Uh, Bill Rucker asked, uh, what's the deal with Kenneth? Milton? Kenna Milton had a shoulder injury, and that was why he was held out against Vanderbilt. However, uh, unlike, say, a Washington, a Blaylock, um, a Tyke Smith, Kenneth Milton did travel. So that would at least indicate that maybe he's a little bit further along and more likely to play this coming weekend. I think it'll be interesting to watch that there. Though I I, I, I would point out, I think Zemir White's going to have a big game on Saturday. I think they're going to uh get him the ball and if Arkansas is going to play the type of defense that they usually like to play that they played last week against Texas A&M I do think that lends itself to a big game from Zeus there uh Miles Sapp no news on Arik Gilbert uh you know we asked about him last week and it does not sound like he is particularly close to rejoining the team uh let's see questions comments thoughts Let's see, uh, Joe Mel, there's nothing cooler than talking about the offensive line. Yeah, Matt Brock, um, there's been some question of whether or not Arian Smith traveled last week. I wasn't in Vanderbilt, so I didn't get a chance to witness that with my own eyes. Uh, he's dealing with the shin contusion. So we'll sort of see where he is there. You know, he's a guy who was playing on punt team as well. And so that's sort of a way you can look for him there and how he goes about cracking the receiver rotation. We shall see. He did have a touchdown there in that UAB game. Of course, he also picked up an injury in that situation as well. Let's see. Um, Let's see. Uh, Nigel Combs. uh, JT's already kind of having a big season and, uh, unless he, you know, really bottoms out in a really befuddling way for some reason, like the monsters come and steal his his quarterbacking powers, I, I think JT is going to continue to have a good season, and I think he this will be his final year at Georgia. It's worth remembering this is his fourth year in college, maturity wise, uh, age wise, he's ready to get to the NFL and show what he wants. And I'd point out if he keeps playing well, it looks like a really weak quarterback class. And I think if if JT is able to cement himself and play well down the stretch, I think he could potentially vault himself into the first round there. Obviously there are going to be questions about his knee and maybe a little bit about his arm strength, but he does a lot of things really well that I think NFL teams are going to like. Um, Let's see. Uh, Jerry dogs fan. Connor, do you think UGA has success running the ball against Arkansas? I do. I think they're going to need to run the ball. Well on Saturday, I, you know, I don't know, 300 yards, however many yards they, they rack up, I don't know. I do think you're maybe going to need to see Georgia play well here, running the ball-wise, because Arkansas, what they like to do a lot is they feel very comfortable rushing three, dropping eight. And if they're going to do that in the pass game, you've got to find a way to make them pay. And I think running the ball well is going to do that, because what that also does is bring bring Arkansas defenders closer to the line of scrimmage, and that's going to open some things up on the back end there for you. So I do think that's something worth watching. Uh, and I think that needs to be there. Uh, Jeff Duval. Uh, they got a nose guard there at Arkansas that's 6'5", 330. So it seems like Sam Pittman went out and got himself, you know, someone who's close to Jordan Davis. Um, it's an interesting defense. They play. I, I think the look you saw against Clemson, where they played a lot of soft zone drop coverage. I think that's what you're going to see Arkansas come out and do on Saturday. It's a well coordinated unit. They don't have the horses that Georgia has quite frankly. No one has the horses that Georgia has on the defensive side of the ball, but you give Sam Pittman time. And if Barry Odom's content to stay there and be the defensive coordinator, at Arkansas, Arkansas, a very quick order once they start getting players. And because I believe Sam Pittman will do that this Arkansas defense is going to become one of the better defenses in the league with what Barry Odom has been able to do from a scheme standpoint. And then you trust the recruiting ability of Sam Pittman there. I do think this Arkansas defense while right now, you know, Georgia's getting them. I think Arkansas had a good time because they're playing them say two, three years from now. I think this Arkansas team may be a lot tougher out than the one you're going to get on Saturday. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bill Rucker is Daniel's a hundred percent now as close as he can be to a hundred percent, uh, you know, no one is totally healthy at this time of year. And obviously he has the oblique injury, but it, it didn't look like it bothered him on Saturday. Uh, the only incompletion he had was a drop by Justin Robinson. So I think, I think JT Daniels is, is to quote John Rick JT Daniels is back. Um, let's see questions, comments. Uh, Baggins and friends. I do think JT plays uh, into the second half this time. I believe JT has only done that in two games so far this year. He has only played in one fourth quarter to this point. And so because of that, you know, obviously that just speaks to the dominance that Georgia has had. Again, they have the highest uh, point differential in the sport, but I do think Arkansas is going to be able to make this a game, you know, I think 31, 10, I think I, that feels about right to me. I like the under here. I could see Arkansas getting a late touchdown, keeping it close. I don't know if Kirby's really going to want to run it up on Sam Pittman, just given the mutual respect that exists there. But I I struggle to see how this Arkansas team is going to score, especially if KJ Jefferson, their quarterback is hobbled. He was, he was dealing with a knee injury last week against Texas A&M. And it's worth pointing out that after they got up to a 17, nothing lead, they really only scored three points the rest of the game that day. And so if this Georgia team is able to limit explosive plays, I think this Arkansas team is going to have a real struggle scoring the ball, moving the ball on this Georgia defense. And conversely, if Georgia is able to get out early, unlike Texas A&M a week ago, I think that puts this Arkansas team in a real bind because they are, they're very clearly a better running team than they are a passing team at this point in time. Uh, let's see. Questions? comments uh santi d arnold asked do you think uh bowers would get to a thousand yards receiving so he's technically on pace to do that he's at 272 yards right now through four games you multiply that uh actually i've just done the math wrong but so if, if the 12 game schedule 272 times three that comes out to uh, 126 that comes out to about 726 yards. If I'm doing the math there, which I'm almost certainly not through a 12 game schedule. You say, all right, Georgia plays in the SEC championship game. They play in the, um, they play in at least one bowl game, whether that's a college football playoff game or not 14 games, at the rate he's going, I think he might finish just under, but for him to get to 800 yards, I don't think anybody, even Brock Bowers own family would have predicted that. Uh, I, I think as this Georgia receiver unit gets healthier, if it gets healthier at this point, uh, that might in, eat into it. You've seen Jermaine Burton really come on there as well. I think he could potentially have a really big week this week. Uh, as you know, Kyrus Jackson gets healthier, you know, potentially when you get Dominic Blaylock, Darnell Washington back, I do think maybe that starts to eat into the yardage numbers that you've seen Bowers get, but he's, you know, I could still very easily see him leading this Georgia team. Uh, in receiving yards, and you know he's gotten into the t- he's gotten touchdowns as well, which is, which are equally important. He's got more touchdowns in four games than any Georgia tight end has gotten in a full season uh, under Kirby Smart. Uh, Paul Duncan, this is a good question. Uh, will our secondary be tested more? Traylon Burks is going to make Georgia work this week. He is the best receiver Georgia has played to this point. He might be the best receiver Georgia faces on its regular season schedule this year. <sighs> But if you look past that, Auburn does not have a good passing offense. Arkansas, the, the passing offense is not their strength. Uh, Kentucky uh, will leave us, go eat another banana the wrong way. And then from there, Florida's got receivers, but Emory Jones is looking like he's starting to figure things out. And he's a better running runner than a thrower. So you know, I don't know how much he's really going to test this Georgia secondary. And then Missouri, Tennessee, Georgia Tech. It'll be a while before you see that. That Alabama game – might be the first time all year they really face a passing offense that might be designed or capable of taking advantage of a secondary. That might be a little bit concerning there. Uh, let's see. Uh, questions. Comments scrolling along here. A lot of good stuff out there. Um, Let's see. This is a good point uh, Joey, that Joey Smiley brings up. You know, obviously everyone's talked about this week about where uh, Arkansas has improved from when Georgia has seen them last year. I think it's worth pointing out this Georgia team is also a lot better than the one that Arkansas saw last year as well, you know. Our Georgia team was down ten to five going into the third quarter there in Fayetteville last season, and obviously Dewan Mathis was starting that day, did not play very well. Stetson Bennett came in and saved the day. And this time around, you've got J T. Daniels, who's quite frankly, as much as you know, I, I've praised Stetson Bennett when he has played well. Uh, J T. Daniels is much better than Stetson Bennett, and, and Jermaine Burton is is farther along. Brock Bowers has really emerged. This defense is better than it was a season ago, and, and Arkansas really didn't do a whole lot a season ago, so. I, I, that's kind of why I still lean this, you know, the, the number for this game is 18. I think Georgia can, can cover that. I feel realistic. I like the under a lot here. I I don't think this is going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I I think that Arkansas is going to want to try and slow it down, play a low tempo, low score game as a way to kind of stay in it and maybe grab it late. But, uh, I, I do think that's a good point there by Joey. Uh, Jerry dogs fan does Ole Miss beat Alabama. So I'm someone who was on the Ole Miss train at the beginning of the season. I thought they had a chance to be the second best team in the sec West. Uh, you know, between them and Arkansas who play next week, I think there's a chance you see that as well. No, uh, I, I think Bam is going to give it to Ole Miss on Saturday. I, I think, you know, Saban, Saban has gotten his team to hear the message he wanted to hear after playing Florida close. And I like Matt Corral. I think, I think similar to what you're going to see Sam Pittman do. I think, Lane Kiffin's going to be able to annoy and frustrate Alabama, but at the end of the day, I still I still trust Alabama to find a way to win that game there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nigel Combs, how much do you think Washington plays? It sounds like Washington is maybe a little bit closer to playing than Smith. It wouldn't be more than 15, 20 snaps at most there if you do see Washington play on Saturday. I, I think that's probably where it's going to be. They like what they have in, in John Fitzpatrick there. Obviously, he, he's not the vertical field stretcher that Washington is, but he does a lot of good things. He's a trusted option there. He's a capable blocker. And then Bowers is Bowers. So, you know, as much as people want to see Darnell Washington out there on the field, he is not exactly a need there right now. And so I think that does allow Georgia to be a little cautious. Uh, Scott Vickers, how many sacks from the Georgia defense this weekend? As much as Georgia's defense thoroughly dominated last week, they only had one sack, and it came from Robert B. I think that that, that that just speaks to how great uh, that Georgia defense played to where it didn't even need to great sacks. It was just suffocating the life out of Vanderbilt. It'll be interesting. If Georgia's able to 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 get ahead in this game and really pin their ears back, I think in a way we haven't really seen since Clemson, I think they're going to be able possibly to get three, four, maybe even five sacks. Obviously, K.J. Jefferson is a much better runner than D.J. Uwe is and similar size there as well. So I think that's going to be important to watch. But I think if Georgia gets up early in this game, it puts KJ Jefferson, it puts this Arkansas offense in a spot where they're gonna have to throw the ball maybe more than they're comfortable doing. So and I think that really sets up well for the Georgia defense there. Um, let's see, Scott Fitzpatrick. Yes, I do think Hopefully, this weekend at some point, I do think we see Brock and Washington on the field at the same time. Brock is a, a different athlete, a different skill set than both Washington and Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, and obviously, I think as well, you will see Washington and Fitzpatrick play and uh, sort of run heavy sets there as well, because I think they're both very good blockers that can help there as well. Uh, let's see. Let's do one more question here. We've got a good 40 minutes. Uh, Scott Green I asked uh, this is a good one I touched on Keeley a little bit earlier I Keeley started last week against Vanderbilt he had two nice pass breakups I think he's your starting cornerback opposite Darian Kendrick for the time being I think he's gotten better every single week obviously he had a few concerning moments both against Clemson and then at South Carolina when Josh Van got behind him a few times but I think the confidence is really growing with Keeley especially since that interception he had in the UAB game there I think I think Georgia likes where he is at and come the end of the season when he gets his feet fully in there and really comfortable. I think that secondary could very much be a, not necessarily a strength of this Georgia team, certainly with the way this Georgia defense has played this year. It's hard to call them a strength, but a really solid unit with playmakers and guys you feel really comfortable with. I could absolutely see that as Keely Ringo continues to develop as Lewisine and Chris Smith. Can you continue to play really well there in the middle of the field? And Darian Kendrick is solid there on the outside as well. So uh, let's see, scroll through, see if we got anything left. Um... I'll, pu- I'll push back on this, Orlando Richardson. I don't think Georgia needs George Pickens right now. I think with what you've seen from this offense and and the guys that are able to get back so far, I, I think this passing offense, you have to like where it is at. Now, obviously, late in the year, would you like to have George Pickens out there against an Alabama, against, I guess, an Oregon as a college football playoff team right now? I don't think we can say Ohio State or Oklahoma at this point in time. Sure, but I think that's a want Uh, I don't think that's a need. I don't think this Georgia team needs George Pickens with what we have seen from this passing offense so far. And obviously he's a difference maker and someone that can play very well in that game. But this Georgia offense has been really good outside of that first week against Clemson where we know JT was dealing with a little bit of an injury and that I think absolutely prevented him from throwing downfield. And I would also note that Georgia feel very comfortable that Clemson wasn't going to score much on them that day and they didn't need to give Clemson any extra opportunities or short fields there. And so, you know, especially after that interception that JT threw in the third quarter, they sort of shifted it down gear and said, hey, we're just going to grind this game out. And that's exactly what they did. And I have love what I've seen from JT the past few games as well. And I think you're going to continue to see another good game from him on Saturday against Arkansas. Noon kickoff, um, it'll be, I think, a really interesting atmosphere. Something we haven't seen where Sanford Stadium, obviously known for getting loud at 3.30, Seven o'clock kickoffs. So I think it's gonna be really loud and ready to go from the jump there. Kirby Smart has really pushed for it. A number of players have pushed for it as well. I think it's gonna be a really fun atmosphere. I think it's gonna be a great game, at least to start. It's what college football is really all about. I think you're gonna see another Georgia win and probably a Georgia cover, in my opinion here. Uh We've got Jeff Stintel with before the hedges covering the recruiting angle of that tomorrow night. Uh, shaping up to be another huge visitor list, which was not necessarily something expected, given the early start time. We're going to do cover four on Thursday, breaking the game down from all the angles. You've got Dog Nation daily every Monday through Friday. You've got Mike Griffith on the Beats on Monday nights. So stay tuned to Dog Nation throughout the week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, this has been Connor. <laughs> we struggled out of the gates. We closed. We struggled to finish. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and Coverage, a Dog Nation production. We hear every Tuesday night on the Dog Nation homepage, app, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, as well as you can get this on SoundCloud as well for a podcast for Wednesday morning when it'll go up. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday, uh, recapping Arkansas, looking ahead to Auburn, covering everything and everything Georgia. Thanks for tuning in, guys.